Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. The show keeps growing and growing. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you tune in. Uh, Today's episode is a particularly special one for me because I've been following these two guys for quite a while now, and I'm really excited to have them on board. Today, I'm joined by Ben Gold and Ross Pomerantz. Uh, Some quick background and a bio on each of them. Ben is a writer and content creator for Corporate Bro and Scratchpad. He co-created the TV show, Sales Are Dope. Check it out if you haven't on YouTube, as well as the internet series, The Unsubscribe Show with Bravado. Before working in content, Ben worked as an SDR and account executive at a number of tech startups in the Bay Area. And he currently resides in Boston with his wife and dogs. On to Ben. Ben, widely known as Corp, Ross Pomerantz is a Stanford-educated entrepreneur, content creator, comedian, and an OG social media influencer. His inimitable brand of unapologetic humor coupled with a strategic business acumen has given Ross a unique platform with impressive staying power in an industry with a constantly changing landscape. His growing list of successful pursuits include entertainment, advising tech startups, and venture capital. Ross, Ben, thank you for joining me here today. I'm Ben Ross. Oh, bro. <laughs> I'm Ross. Ben. <laughs> you guys. Thanks for having uh, us. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it, it's awesome having you on here today. And I mean, all my colleagues are going to geek out once this episode goes live. Because as you know, I work at Salesforce currently. Um, and I thought, I thought about ways to kind of go into this episode. And one of the things that I thought about right away is given all the content that you put out there right now, and all the information that you're sharing with the world around your take around the sales world. I want to ask you both, do you think it is possible to be an authentic seller in the current landscape we're in? Yeah, I I think you kind of have to be. Um, I feel like the more uh, stuff that's out there, the more automated stuff that's out there, the more um, noise that's out there, the best way to like really connect with your prospect or to connect with an audience is to be your authentic self or else it's too easy to skip over. If it's not personal, if there's not like a genuine connection there, if it feels robotic or if it feels like you're not, your heart's not in it, I feel like it's just too easy to not make a connection over the internet, over socials or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I feel like you kind of need that authenticity absolutely go ahead ross yeah uh i mean i think that's true unless you suck as a person and your your authentic (laughs) self kind of sucks uh which you know if you're self-aware enough you know it then you know it's more like you got to be what you need to be and i think the best salespeople can code switch quickly and right 
kind of do that mirror and match thing. I, I, I think like being the, the best fastest path to finding that is being authentically yourself and people, you know, humans buy from humans. And so overwhelmingly that will be the right, right way to go. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of, as Ben said, I think it's mostly mandatory at this point. Otherwise you're just another sales bot. I love it. Or you and- can just be an authentically sociopathic chameleon code switcher, which is probably yeah. more, more my speed. <laughs> yeah. <it's us. laughs> well, that's exactly where I was headed with this because uh, Ross, you, you run at a speed that very people can keep up with. So let's talk about the birth of corporate bro and you know how it, it was a natural you. birth, a lot of blood, uh, <laughs> a lot of screaming, but uh, a lot of drugs disfigured a little bit. Like, beat ass baby like this is like oh my baby isn't it cute like you would never ask that because you know the answer little troll baby anyway yes the birth shouldn't of that bro. still be in the incubator <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you put that back in and maybe cook it for a few more hours <laughs> yeah uh, anyway it. yeah it's just like all the other podcasts right <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I mean, th- this this episode has already taken uh, a different direction than literally any other episode. And and uh, it, it's funny to me because I'm sure the audience is probably thinking, where is he going with this one? Because he hasn't done one like this before. Right. Uh, so I'm loving this. Um, so I want to kind of just give them an understanding of when, when was this born? Just for context purposes. Yeah, the, the, the year was... I, 2014, 2013, 2014, I was at Oracle. I was a BDR, BDC back then. I was a consultant. I wasn't a rep. Mm. Um, yeah, a little softer verbiage, but uh, I was working in Redwood Shores at the headquarters, basically south of San Francisco, about 20 minutes south. And I looked around one day and was just like, holy shit, everyone here is just a corporate bro. And I meant that as in like every single person in there, male, female, didn't matter. Everybody was a corporate bro. No one had any idea what the hell they were doing, what they were selling. Yet they're working for a huge megacorp, very complicated technology. Deals are easily seven figures. And we had no idea. We were all wearing like poorly fitted work clothes, drinking heavily making very average money <laughs> and uh it was tough and that's i was just like holy shit so why is no one why didn't no one talk about this why has no one talked about this because i didn't know what i was getting myself into i was i heard business development and i was super down for developing businesses and stuff and i just didn't know that that was like a sales job <laughs> yeah it's funny in, <laughs> those, those, in those early in those early experiences like you know it's like classic like sdr like entry-level salesperson who's like who's running this stuff you know this company is just not going to be here and then 10 years later it's like oracle still gigantically successful behemoth with all those business development people like yourself 10 years younger working there still i'm sure it's like well, the stock thing. price did dip a little after i left i mean yeah. there was a noticeable That's i mean you. it rebounded it rebounded but i mean public sentiment was at an all-time low after that mm-hmm. Jeez. Also, and, no one knew who I was at the time there, so it didn't matter. I, corporate bro was a secret. Like my identity as corporate bro was a secret, so it didn't. Obviously, like yeah, the peasants knew who I was, but nobody of of any consequence had any idea what I was doing. Uh, how, and it started how, on Vine as well. Started, yeah, exactly. Vine started in the six second Vine days. Like, you think oh, senior wow. leadership was on Vine? Absolutely not. How how long was it a secret for? Uh, I mean, technically until twenty twenty uh, or twenty nineteen, oh, wow. it was always like corporate. 
the name, like the reason the character's name is Corporate Bro is like, I didn't want to give it a name. I didn't want it. It was always supposed to be third person, like Corporate Bro. We would write captions for what the videos would be. So we like Corporate Bro finds a lucky penny. Corporate Bro has a rough day. Corporate Bro fights marketing. Like, and then we'd make a sketch off of that. So it was always like, I was playing the character known as Corporate Bro. We eventually gave him the name of Corporate Bro just to be like very clear that like, this is obviously not a real person. Still goes over people's head. Huh. People still don't get that at satire. Really great. But, uh, that was like kind of the whole the whole point was like corporate bro is Joe anybody's Joe Schmo in the corporate world. He's Dilbert, but in video form and less racist. Like he's just kind of that guy that everybody knows and has met before. Got it. And where it, where'd your creative muscle come from? Right. Like it's not like look, we can all, you know, be sitting in the office and and be making fun of this and and kind of thinking to ourselves, like, this is absurd. But to turn it into the satire that you know you guys have ultimately built this platform based on um, that involves a creative muscle. Was there something in your background before, or was there um, you know a, a desire to go down this route from a um, an ambition perspective? Uh, uh, lunacy, huh. probably self loathing, and the only way to combat that and like the pain of work was to like make fun of it. Yeah. I was always a very self-conscious kid. So I would, you know, I was like Eminem in the rap battles. I would just like rap about myself being a dumbass piece of shit. And everyone would be like, well, what do I say now? Even though they were never going to say it in the first place, I would just say it so they couldn't hurt me. And that was kind of how I got like the quick, like that was kind of how the, the muscle was formed in the first place it was purely out of uh, self-consciousness and self-loathing. And then uh, Ben came along and we kind of made it a little bit more of like a, a academic, like a rigorous <laughs> sort of process, but uh, it definitely came out of just like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's just like call the world as we see it. And like, let's just like strip it down to exactly what it is and just call it that, you know, no more of the euphemisms, no more of this idea of like professional, we're all just humans, like trying to figure out what the fuck Oracle sells. Huh. Like same. everyone else. You same, know? same. Yeah. <laughs> so what well, does Salesforce sell? I don't know. Same. No, I mean, everything. It's, just, it's the same. Everything. We literally sell everything. Um, and, and naturally speaking, that brings What's me to quip? my... What is Quip? <laughs> Seriously, what is Quip? So I came out of... Right? I, yeah, I came out of seven years of banking. And then I, came, then I moved into Salesforce and I was told to use Quip. And to this day, I, I still cannot understand <laughs> how people think this is this is a functional tool to be using. Uh, right. And hopefully no one from Salesforce listens to this episode. Uh, although probably most of the listeners <laughs> Mark, to this episode me. are going to be... You should from, have a voicemail or two for me. Maybe a text. Mark, <laughs> I, hit me up, dude. I have some ideas. I, I have actually, ideas for the future. I actually had a, a manager recently who praised me for knowing how to use Excel. And I'm like, yeah, like we should be using Excel. Like we shouldn't be using like, you know, whatever it is that we're using. Oh, Salesforce? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like Salesforce CRM? Oh, so, boy. You know, no, it's all right. Everyone, everyone uses Salesforce. It's a, it's a necessary evil. It's like if you don't have it, then everyone's like, what kind of rookie bullshit is this? And then if you do have it, you're like, fuck, this sucks. It's a lose lose. But Man, I'm, I'm just yeah. thinking, I've never asked my editor to remove anything. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Freedom of speech, dog. Rep it. What would Elon do? He'd post right. these video clips. No, I'm thinking what LinkedIn. would Corporate Bro do? What would Corporate Bro do? Because that, that, that's, that's where we are today. But... Corp would, would strip yeah. these down and put them in little bites on LinkedIn, particularly <laughs> the parts of me making fun of Salesforce. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, naturally speaking, though, it kind of takes me to this little love story between you two. When did you guys meet? 
And, um, you know, kind of knowing now that you all work together on this platform, I kind of want to give the audience some background as to uh, the synergy here. So let's just start. Where'd you guys meet? Ooh. Do you want to give them the real story? Or you want to give them the ultra erotic fan fiction? Huh. Yeah, Folsom Street. Uh, <laughs> Folsom Street Festival. Give it to me. I was in leather. He was in just a collar. Anyway, <laughs> he was with this other guy. I don't remember what his name. Yeah. Zenefits was his uh, name. And, uh, you can give the no, story, but yeah, the the real story um, was we were on false. No, um, Ross's. I met Ross's cousin through a mutual friend uh, who was visiting, and he at the time, like kind of what you were saying earlier about like the creative muscle, similar to Ross. Like I, I didn't have like a huge creative background or anything. I always kind of wrote as a kid and stuff like that but i just never thought of it as a real career until i was in sales and i was like all right maybe i should try something else because i'm not loving this uh and so i had been writing stuff like just when i got home when we were in all day trainings and i wasn't paying attention to that stuff in and uh so i i had built up kind of like a portfolio of short stories and whatever kind of about similar things that we talk about in corporate bro uh met ross's cousin sent him the stuff ross and i met for drinks at final final um got a little crazy went over to folsom street yeah and, right exactly uh, then the folsom street story picks up then the, yeah uh yeah and then yeah like i think i said on the serpent sales podcast you know it was even more so about just the commitment to making this and making sketches and making skits every weekend and sacrificing a saturday of mimosas with a you know a group in the marina or something like that uh filming at 8 a.m on saturday like is really the barrier to entry which doesn't seem very high but was very high for most people uh who wanted to in your mid-20s it's kind of a barrier Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a barrier. So I think it was just kind of like devoting ourselves to that and me being like willing to like, yeah, that's totally what I want to do. And, uh, I totally want to commit myself to building that like body of work. And so, um, you know, that was like from day one and that was probably, I think 2017, 16 or 17. Were you ever um, at the glass door office with us? Did you ever come to the glass door? I was never at the glass door. Okay. So you were right out. So it would have been like, it would have been 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think our, and one of our first, it might have been the first skit we did was the uh, Welcome to Sales, like kind of the invention of yeah, the so, so you want to be in sales. sales. So you want to be in sales. Uh, um, sales are dope, never ever stops selling. We filmed it in this office in the Mission. Uh, company actually did pretty well. It was like a crypto company. Huh. Um, it, it was like a payment and that was processor for crypto. Yeah. What the hell was it called? Why am I forgetting the name? Um, all I remember is a competitor. Dude. Oh, Veeam. <laughs> yeah, all I remember is a competitor was Veeam. But no, they did super well. Um, cool. I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm like linked in him. Quick name. I feel like it started with a Q. Yeah, I will get there. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So I'm long story out. short, I met Ross's cousin. Uh, told. I was doing stuff, sent some stuff, met for drinks, filmed that weekend, and then 
we were kind of off from there. So we we had similar taste in humor, similar backgrounds. I was familiar with the world of sales, and so it was kind of a natural uh, pairing. Well, because you um, worked at Zenefits and Yelp, which was just like... Yeah, oh. so I, I was bringing with me a wealth of knowledge of and sadness and yes. pain. Um, and learning sales at Yelp was really... You know, just being cast into the into the, you know, we whenever I meet someone from Yelp, we just say like "born in the darkness," and I don't know who started that, but like whenever <laughs> I meet someone from Yelp, like they immediately know what that means. So, and Zenefits, you know, had its own crazy stories as well. Um, so it was kind of a match match made in heaven, content wise. Got it. Got it. Yeah. No, Yelp is definitely. Uh... It's a standard for uh, for the entry point there. So I think anyone that has a Yelp background could probably relate to you. I, I know a couple of people that came from Yelp. So I, I could definitely see where you're coming from for that perspective. It was called uh, Wire. It was called Wire. It was wire. called Wire. With W-Y-R-E. That's what it was. That Sheesh. was the payment processor? The crypto payment yeah. processor? Got it. Yes, we got it. Got it. Um, so now you all are together trying to understand... Uh, Ben, like your role specifically, are you behind the scenes? Uh, like who's scripting this content? We both are. I we mean, both are? either, you know, now kind of like our process is, I think we're, we're constant, we're both constantly writing and either jotting down notes or texting each other ideas. And then, you know, now being bi coastal, we like really try to meet and write for at least an hour hour and a half over zoom once a week and go over the different ideas that we have scripts that are are not finished pick which one is sparking our interest that day and try to like yeah finish as many as we can um and so it's definitely a team effort like uh it depends if you know ross might see a video that sparks an idea or i might have an experience and we kind of just go from there. Um, and got it. Yeah. So then I got to ask, do you ever like look at something you write or that you guys talk about and you're like, this is just too absurd. Like there's no way like you have to, you have to have those moments <laughs> where you're like, there's no way I could act this out. <laughs> Think about the Jose Cuervo ad. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe share one. Um, I think it, it's easier for me to push the limit as more of the behind the scenes writer. Uh, I, I think like often we'll, we'll do these things too. a bunch, you know, Ross has spoken to Salesforce a million times yep. and, you know, we'll do these SKOs or just kind of sales pump up speeches and they'll give us info on people. And I'll try to put in as many, like just over the top, totally inappropriate lines in there to kind Cancelable of just make offenses. Ross laugh. Yeah, just basically to make Ross laugh as he reads it. Um, but sometimes he goes he goes for it anyway. Yeah, um, sometimes there's sometimes there's ways we can say the same thing but less like abrasively or out of <laughs> outrageously. Um we're very vulgar people. We are equal opportunity offenders <laughs> in every sense and we're also hyper aware and so we will often have to scale things back to make sure we don't get canceled. I mean, there's like, you know, there's a brand component to this where it's like, 
Yeah. You know, I still need to get hired to speak at SKOs. I need to have like brands want to work, you know, work with me and, and take me seriously. But it's, it's what's interesting about social media. What's so hard is like Matthew McConaughey has played a lot of roles in his life. And he has his quote around like, I keep getting older and they stay the same age. Right. Yeah. Nobody gets mad at Matthew McConaughey for saying that because he's an actor, right? Because he's in a film and yeah. therefore he is allowed to say that. We aren't exactly afforded the same thing. People can't won't sit there and be like, well, they're acting, which we are doing, which we should yeah. be afforded the same thing. But people will take it as a very like personal attack on them or like a very offensive thing. And it's like, oh, we can't work with you because you say things like that. And I'm like, yeah, Corbett Bros guy kind of often the character you're not supposed to be. Like, that's the joke. Like, it's satire. Like, there are people out there who who do this. And we're making fun of that. Are you missing that? And people miss that point. So we do have to be a little bit more careful with our things because we are not afforded the like, oh, they're actors or like, right, like this is a thing. People for some reason think that Corporate Bro is a documentary. And in a lot of ways it is, but it's not. Like obviously, like Suckle's not a real company. Where yeah. <laughs> we work in our videos is not a real company, you know. Um, people get mad at us for a lot of different hilarious reasons. And we're like, we're just dudes going to an office on a Saturday. Like, sorry, we don't have a full cast and arsenal of <laughs> actors and producers that it can like equip us with casting. You know, it's like I had three friends and, uh, and my brother are down to like come to the office on Saturday. Those are our actors. <laughs> Those are our actors today. I don't, you know, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. So I love it. it's kind I of, love a, it. it's a funny, it's a goofy do you, Ross, do you, do you enjoy the acting? Like, is that like, Oh, I love it. I love, love it. it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love the acting part. I mean, I really like the writing. I, I mean, I like writing and acting probably equally. It's, it's always a good video in my opinion when, and like, it's obviously going to be a little different, but when, when I can watch it as not myself, when I can watch it and not see me in it. And I just like see mm. the video, like, like sometimes the video just comes together so well. And it's like, it could be anybody in that video. Could just, like the person who is me is like some actor, like some character in this show, like whatever. And I, and I'm able to like disassociate with it. That's when I know a video is good. It's when I see myself in it where I'm like, Oh God, cringe. Yeah. Yeah, you know? nobody nobody likes to see themselves on on camera. I actually mm-hmm. I I just got sent this morning the uh the Dreamforce video with uh you and corporate Natalie. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They paid uh, us 10 million dollars for that. It's amazing. Yeah. So much yeah. money. <laughs> so much money. Yeah, they probably they, got they you love on, to spend money. They probably they got it. they probably got you on speed dial. I mean, uh they have to That is true. You probably get called for the most like absurd events from I'm just presuming right here uh from a sales sales perspective. Salesforce prefers to keep our relationship private. Huh. <laughs> That's why those videos will never be public. Yeah. They, they they don't, for them. Yeah. I, it's funny because like people are like, "Whoa, how does Salesforce let you in the door? Like, why would they even let you there?" It's because the people of Salesforce get it. Yeah, like the brand of Salesforce can't exactly go out and op- openly endorse and be like, "Yeah, we love corporate bro." Because some dumbass somewhere is gonna be like, "You like bros?" Yeah, like they don't know what corporate bro is. They don't understand, and they immediately go to some place of like, oh, "Is this an all right mega company or what?" Liking yeah. bros, like supporting bros. They're not even going to be willing to get to like, and I'm, and I say that as a joke, but it's actually dead ass serious. They can't come out and say that, like, we're doing this, you know, you know, we want to endorse this type of thing. You know, I've called out Mark. Like I punch at the organization. I don't punch at the people unless it's Mark. And if you're in like a a public, (laughs) if you're in a leadership, like position of power, you get punched. Like that's it. In comedy, the key is to punch up. 
I'm not going to punch down. I'll be like, like, yes, there are elements of Salesforce. Like, why do they spend so much money on so many stupid companies? Like, there's a million dumb things that big organizations do, but people inside the organizations that are responsible for these things and they're like kind of necessary evils, like they get it. Yeah. They get it. Like all those humans get it. And like, I do appreciate that, but I, and I, in the same way, I understand it's like Salesforce isn't going to put corporate bro on ads talking about AI. They're going to put McConaughey on ads talking about AI because that looks cooler and they don't have to, there's nothing to explain there because Matthew McConaughey is an A-list actor. Well, that's an opinion. Some people, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but well, it's pretty know. hot too. Might be a I mean, hotter. you know, the market says they would rather buy somebody from an influencer than a A-list actor so or B-list actor. So I'm just throwing so, that out there. Only a matter of time. The, I don't uh, have a house next to Mark in Hawaii, but if I did, you bet. You bet <laughs> in Extreme Force, I'm headlining. Have you, you bet. Uh, have you met Mark? No, but I know no. people have met Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I but figure I've, I've at, this point, Mark, has, at this point, has Mark met you is really the question. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone, that's what I will, you know, the short answer is no. I'm not sure if he's aware. He probably did he's see aware. my layout video. He's I'm sure aware. he's aware somewhere deep down. Um, I'm very close to people close to Mark, but I am not, I have never met Mark. Hey all, it's me, Bishoy. As a marathon runner and endurance athlete, I've come to understand the importance of properly fueling your body for preparation and recovery. Every day you get a shot at success. How you start your day typically paints a picture of what the rest of the day will look like. Start your day with a super convenient, healthy and delicious nutritional win. Meal one by Creatures of Habit. Overnight oatmeal packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, chia, flax, and pumpkin seeds. Vitamin D3, omega-3s, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes made in under one minute. Stop wasting time or worrying about what to eat as your first meal of the day. Start with meal one. Visit creaturesofhabit.com, creatures spelled with a K, and use code MILE40 for 15% off a one-time purchase or the first subscription order payment. You know, one of the things that I want to dive into just to keep in line with the premise of the show here is you've had to have failed along the way. You've had to have done something stupid along the way, whether it was with another company or with... Uh, oh, you're looking at me. He's like, no, nah, no failure there. Oh, but I can I think, think of a so. hilarious yeah. one, a cancelable <laughs> yeah. one. I, I, let, let, let's <laughs> talk about something. Let's talk about something that went tragically wrong. It, it can be funny. It could be for comedic purposes, just to give the audience some insight. Uh, into you know a platform like yours that you both have worked on to build together. Um, that you know you look at. It, I'm looking at the sales are dope right now, and I'm looking at you know the ups and downs of just the vision. Um, you know I want to speak to that a little bit to give the audience a little bit of insight into this. Wasn't something you built overnight. No, no, many many nights. <laughs> ben, do you have one, or do you want me to go with one? No, I feel like you have you have a specific one in mind. Yeah, I mean it's the kneeling video. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was a good one. It was a great one. It's great, a great, great video, video, and it still is a great video. And I actually th- wonder how it would perform if I posted it now uh, versus when I happened to have posted it before. So I and I think I'll say we because I don't want to be in this alone, but think a lot of like South Park is a great analog to what we do. Like we take something outrageous that's happening in the world and we, they South Parkify it. Cartman does some dumb shit in this place. Core bro does some dumb shit. And so this was right during the, like, <laughs> this is already going to sound bad when I say like during the Colin Kaepernick, like kneeling yep. scandals. And you know, he was protesting. And so we're like, Oh, protesting so hot right now. Let's do a protesting video. So we had the sales team kneel 
during one of their team, their all hands meeting <laughs> in solidarity with their comp with their comp plans being unfair. Their comp plans were super unfair. So they all kneeled in solidarity. And then of course they get yelled at and they all buckle and immediately go running back to their desks to do their jobs. But the first time we posted that, it did extremely well. Like it was a, it was a, it was a banger for all intents. And it's a well shot video. It's like a very, in my opinion, smart video. However, a year or so later, maybe it was two years. I posted it again. Every now and then we re- will recycle a little content because new followers come in and not everybody goes back and looks at it. And I remember posting it and then waking up. Like I, I would wake up because I wanted to get it early on the way on the East Coast. So I would wake up at you know six my time here and then go back to sleep for an hour. And I wake up at six, post it, and go back to sleep for an hour. I woke up to just being eviscerated as just a racist piece of shit for how could I how could I demean the movement and and normalize police brutality <laughs> and uh i was like whoa first of all this isn't a new video second of all in nowhere have we commented on police brutality or nowhere are we like taking away from like the true issues of the world like this is a sales team bitching about compensation unfairness as like like an outrageous stupid thing that would happen like from the sales world like what's the biggest thing that's plaguing them like this isn't actually a social commentary on kneeling and like the effects of kneeling and colin kaepernick standing for something like this is sales people standing for some stupid shit obviously sales i can't like misinterpreting yeah obviously you know. i can't like go in there and be like you guys just don't get humor <laughs> it was just like i was instead went to home depot I bought a chair and a rope. And unfortunately, <laughs> my chandelier isn't strong enough to carry 185 pounds of pure lean muscle. I lived. No, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get that, that far, but I, I had to take it down and was just like in shambles. Cause I was like, like, I get why someone would just like have a very visceral reaction to it now. Oh, the, I guess the main kicker on all of this was I unfortunately reposted it in February. Mm. And February is an mm. important month for a certain history, mm. namely the black history. Mm. And um, that was an oversight. I wasn't thinking about it. I was like, I don't have any content this week. Let's go back and repost this one. This one's fire. And like, uh, it, it, <laughs> it was a poor choice. The timing was poor. Um, but it really, in my opinion, wasn't in poor taste. I'm sure someone is going to be like, you piece of shit. This is why Salesforce can't like you. Uh, but that was a really big fuck up, in my opinion. But we obviously overcame eventually. Uh, but that was one where I was like, very rarely do I think we cross the line. And when we do, I think we do it in the most tasteful, like legitimate walking the line where you could argue both sides. And that's where you want to be. You want to be on the place where like both sides can argue it out, whether it's wrong. Uh, Cause then it's clear. It's like, you're playing in the gray. That particular timing was not great. Got it. So that was a fuck up. That was like a cancelable fuck up, but got it. you know, I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> Looks like you're going to say I something. I was going to say, like, um, you know, that one, I mean, looking back, you can, we can laugh on it, on it now. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like I don't have like a specific low point. Um, I think it was more just like doing this for so long. We, we never had kind of a breakthrough moment. And we have all of these other influencers around us who had a viral video and they gained 500,000 followers overnight and uh, they were chipping, chipping, chipping away and then boom. And we were always kind of waiting for that moment. 
And we just kind of kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away and growing incrementally, have a little jump here, little flat line here, a little jump here. And it was just like, you know, after a while, you can do that to a point where you're like, is this worth it? You know, yeah. do we keep going? Are we ever going to break through? And we're still kind of waiting for that moment. I mean, I think like when the show came out, like that was yeah, unbelievable. But um, the like constant kind of like grinding, constant, consistent grinding of like getting stuff out every week for 10 years almost for Ross and, you know, six years for me, it's like there's just naturally going to be low points where you have to and i think it's what makes it easier when there's two of us if there's one of us who's feeling down or unmotivated or like i can't write this episode or it's nice to have another person be like i just wrote this check it out and you get back on the bike kind of there's a lot of lows there's like frequent lows i would say very frequent and it's like the cost of living your life on social media or like having a major part of your life on social media is just like there's enormous cost to it and like we all know everyone with a rational brain can sit there and be like yeah social media is like poisonous it's toxic there's a lot of bad things it's everybody's best life and you know it's it's inauthentic and all those things and i think it is true like we've wanted and hoped to have like a breakthrough moment we've never had a breakthrough moment. like even the show like and going into the show it's like i knew that we you know we spent three years working on this show i knew within about a month and i in my head i was like, even in a week like no one will care like we're gonna put this show out it's gonna be like the highest high for us and then like within a week everybody else is gonna have moved on with their lives like they don't care how long it took us to make it they don't care what what it took for us to get it done like they're either gonna they're gonna watch it or they're not they're gonna make their opinion or they won't and they are gonna move on and like that's what the fleeting kind of part of doing what we do is like every week is quota every week there's yeah. quota and every week is end of court end of quarter for us like it's get another video out it does well great we're top of the world it's more like relief when a vi- when we do well on a, when a video does well it's relief when a video does bad we're like we're fucked it's over like there's nothing funny anywhere everybody hates us and then it's just like the new week happens and you just do it yeah. again and you can do it again and there is no end yeah and that's what sucks like there's yeah. no end yeah like, what do we want to do with this? I don't know. We'd love to sell sad into like a network television show that runs for 30 years. That'd be great. Yeah. But that's not likely. Yeah. You know, it's hard enough to get people to go to YouTube and watch the show that we spent so much time on, like, let alone get a network to pick it up or get someone else to like watch it. Hollywood's in shambles right now. Anyway, like, and, I, and none of that for like pity, like we did it because we love it. Like we do this because we genuinely enjoy it. And when you genuinely enjoy something, there's like a, a much higher likelihood that you're successful and that something will pop at some point. But you know, you have to keep trying to think about how do you evolve and how do you stay relevant and fresh? Cause we are getting further and further from our sales lives. We're yeah. selling just differently, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're spot on. And for the context out there for the audience, when he says sad, he's referring to sales are dope. That's the show on YouTube. But Ross, one thing kind of really sticks out is you need a special kind of resolve to like get back up and, and dust it all off. Um, in particular in the social media landscape after everyone you know kind of tears you apart uh after just one mistake and so i kind of want to ask both of you uh, around um where your resolve comes from like anyone that works in sales is used to rejection um it's part of the process 
That's not going away. Uh, but at the same time, they're not used to rejection and thousands of people calling them a piece of shit at the same time. So let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about that really quick and talk about um, where you kind of built that. Was that were you like an athlete growing up, or is there anything in, inside of you that kind of like groomed you for handling that kind of negativity around something flopping? I think for me, I was an athlete growing up. I'm still an athlete growing up. I, but I, I don't know if that was. It's, I think, I mean, I, I think you learn to handle adversity as an athlete, but I think for something like this, it was, you have to keep tapping back into it. It's like, what are you here for? And like, do you feel like this is what you're meant to be doing? And if so, then that's like what you have to tap back into. I mean, for me, I, I go to therapy. I go to therapy every week. I talk about this shit all the time. <clears throat> it is part of my life. It's no different than me going to gym five days a week. It's like part of my routine that keeps me healthy enough to do this job. but. You know, Ben's talked me off the ledge probably no less than a million times. Like maybe next episode we kill corporate bro and like we just go out having people say and they wish there was more. Like I always want to be the person and be the creator who people wish I made more or wish I had done more versus like fell off. And, you know, there's people who've been around for long enough now that they can easily say we fell off because it's been so long. But I, I think it's just retapping into. No, this is what I love. This isn't about them. This isn't about their opinions or like what. Like I enjoy making this stuff and seeing it come to life and making fun of this thing. And it has turned out that a lot of people resonate with it. There's a lot of silent people who support what we do. You know, it's the trolls who are the loudest. And then I'll look up and I've got, you know, literally a sadness neon sign over there. And I'm like, that like means something to people. That like means something. Like six years ago, that didn't mean anything to anyone. Like, but that is something that we did. And that will live, that lives forever. And Absolutely. so it doesn't make it easy. Like I have weeks, periods of time where I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to, you know, I have no more ideas there. Um, there's no inspiration. And then lo and behold, inspiration strikes randomly and there's seven ideas and it's exciting to make all of them. And then the cycle like comes back and we've got nothing and things suck and everything's performing poorly. Like right now, as I sit here, like our last few videos have done really poorly. I actually don't think they're bad. I actually think they're pretty good as far as like what my barometer of good is, but the algorithm, whatever the algorithm, people aren't online, like whatever. There's a million factors that have nothing to do with the content. Maybe the content isn't as good as I thought it was, but I don't care because I thought it was good enough, you know? And so it's just like on to the next one, on to the next one. You just can't get your, get your hopes too high on a video. You're like, oh, fuck, this one is a banger. Like this one's really good. That's what you have to hold on to. It's just that, not the result of when you post it, but that. It's like, I know this is good. For me, this is good. No one's deeper in this than I am. No one hates me more than me, except for Ben. And then huh. <laughs> if I believe that, then then I can live with that. Everybody else's like their opinions don't necessarily matter in that context. Spot on, man. Yeah. Go ahead. I ben. think also having like that, that long-term mindset of it, which I think we've both had, you know, we totally get high and get low on good performance and bad performance of videos. But I think like having that long-term five-year, 10-year goal at all times like are you working towards that yes then keep doing what you're doing you're going in the right direction i think it's more important to take that take a step back look at it from thirty thousand feet and say am i going in the direction that i want to be going in and that's all you can do really and so hopefully the results come uh it's kind of like my undrafted nba free agent uh, mentality where it's like, yeah, in five to 10 years, maybe I will be drafted into the NBA. You know, I'm going on that. I'm doing the right things, you know, 
I just did a Peloton staying in shape, right? You know, right. for the Celtics to draft me. Uh, and maybe in 10 years, I'll be like, yeah, maybe in 10 years they'll draft me. So <laughs> there you go. Ben, Ben's going to hit up a suicide line right after this recording, <laughs> knock out some suicides for us. So he told me before we got in here, uh, yeah, 17s. These, yeah. These guys get some, are in, get these guys are intense. out of the driveway. Um, <laughs> I want to make sure we talk about, um, about sadness really quick, right? Sales are dope. Never, ever stop selling. And again, I'll repeat it for the audience out there. Go check it out on YouTube. Um, it, it's an inc- incredible, uh, collection, um, that Ross and, and Ben put together. Um, and I know that wasn't easy and we talked about it already on this episode, but I kind of want to give the audience an idea into, um the timeline how long did it take to put it together um your expectations around budget from the beginning to what it ended up being uh, um and you know looking at it now i know you both are very proud of it but is there um perhaps a vision for where you want to take it ross you talked about potentially getting it on networks but is there more content to be released like another season coming out or something like that you guys can can speak about yeah i mean it took yeah it took a long time uh we originally set out to create 22 minute regular kind of comedy sitcom episodes um we did make one actually it's a standalone sitcom episode that's a whole nother story, but we had like kind of a test uh, dummy version of the show three or four years ago at this 2019. point. Um, <clears throat> 2019. Yeah. So four years ago. And after that came out, we were like, all right, this was great, but there's nothing else for the audience to watch. So we want to create a full season. And how are we going to do that with a budget? And, you know, with the budget that we have and uh, gain new audience members. So we decided to do eight to 10, eight to 15 minute episodes, eight episodes, one season. And the writing process took a long time. We had a couple other people help us along the way. Um, Will Ewing, who wrote for Riverdale on Netflix um, and some other shows, Alexis Gay, and then um Stephen Ole, who was eventually our director, kind of helped us really put the finishing touches on it and get it ready for the camera. Because we still, even though we'd done that test dummy episode, we still didn't really know what we were getting into. Um, and then we still had to get money from it. You know, we had a little corporate bro amount that we could yeah. put into it, but we knew, you know, it was gonna cost about a half a million dollars and we didn't have half a million dollars. So we got bravado and Scratchpad, who we've done a lot of work with, um, who are both incredibly supportive and generous and helped us get to that number. Um, and we got an amazing cast and crew, um, you know, behind the scenes crew set production, uh, and finally got, everything in place to go shoot it um so the writing process really took about two and a half years and then everything else was like six months wow uh from 
like once in the script it was really finalized maybe we were still working on it while we were shooting we were still changing things but maybe six months from that script being finalized we got cast crew set location all of the funding filmed it and then it was probably another eight six, or nine months six, eight, yeah no actually six, yeah six months so august to whenever we came out editing? in may august and then it came out in may we shot yeah. throughout august and then it came out the following may we probably could have got it out a little faster but there were just like more changes and we were trying to figure out like a release date and stuff like that and so i'd say like really from we really started almost as soon as that first 2019 that we shot was done yeah so from start 2019 to finish, we started it, it was really a, a four-year project um did you guys know anything about production nope nothing <laughs> i figured out yeah i mean it's one of those things that was like okay we're making this and i don't really care what it's going to take to make this like i will if I need to take out loans to make this, I'm going to take out loans to make this. It was like, there is an, there is no option to not make this. You know, we had our three episodes written. We were going to write eight episodes, as Ben mentioned, for network TV. They're all going to be 22 minutes. Then we realized, okay, budget-wise, there's no chance we're going to make eight network-level television shows. So we'll take three episodes, chop them up, make them eight. And so that's why they don't all read or watch like individual episodes. They're more like pieces. And in fact, at the premiere, we watched all eight in a row. And it actually kind of stands arguably as a hour and 20 uh, hour and a half movie like that kind of works actually it might even be better that way i still go back and forth a little bit but it was it came down to like hiring department heads who could handle these things you know we got steven as he mentioned who's our director and this guy uh misha very misha very, the machine. Bald, very very russian producer who's just absolutely excellent like so meticulous and so just like here's the budget he's like i read the script here's what i would budget for it here's where we can cut here's where we could add here's how we can enhance and, and do all these things and i think the original budget came out to like four six i think it was actually like 463 463 yeah and it ended up being a little over five because they're you know you come back later and for me i was like look i will cover anything beyond this like i'm I, Hey, we could do it this way, or for like a couple grand, we can do it better this way. And I'm like, couple grand, done. Like, I don't care. I I will yeah. do some, I'll work on some other stuff and make a couple grand. And I just don't want to leave anything on the table creatively. Like, we didn't save any budget for post production dis- distribution. We didn't do ads. Like, Ben and Marketing, I started a, yeah. a, a stupid cold email campaign to try and get people to yeah. watch it. I think, um, I think I signed up for that. Yeah, I mean, nice. you know, you may have gotten one of our stupid emails, but yeah. maybe not because you were probably responded, and <laughs> then people are like, "Wait, where's the follow up?" I'm like, "Bro, you responded. I expect you to watch it." Um, so it was just like, "Well, let's try and make this and see what happens." And you know, inevitably, like some people went and watched it, some people still haven't. Like whether they're friends or family, like there's people who have and there's people who haven't, and it's not we don't or I certainly don't take it personally, like because they haven't gone to watch it yet. It's just we all are doing things in our lives and we're all the problem is when we scroll Netflix, we don't see sad on there. And if you're not like thinking about it, you're like, oh shit, it's on YouTube. I gotta go to YouTube and then I gotta cast it to my TV. Yep. And there's like a whole extra step. A lot of people, like at least my age, uh like millennials don't think about YouTube as entertainment. It's more like I watch YouTube on how to edit stuff. Like I do yeah. all this editing. I'm like, how do I learn how to do XYZ? And so it's not really in people's minds. To, to necessarily go watch and it also you know 
from a production quality, it is ready to go on Netflix or HBO tomorrow. From a writing, acting, and storyline and pacing, it's probably lacking a little bit. And you know, I think people can critique that. But anytime people are critiquing us against Netflix or HBO, I'm like, all right. So you're saying we're playing in the same field? I'm fine, I'll take it. Um, yeah. yeah. But you know, it's got a lot of shortcomings and things that I wish I could change. But I would tell you that if someone watched that in Hollywood, they probably think it was a multi-million dollar budget. Yeah, we did way yeah. more with what we had. I mean, we called in every favor. Friends and family were background actors. We had a bar given to us for free for three days of shooting. Like that would cost Natalie thousands of dollars. Was for free. Yeah, Natalie acted for free. Raj acted for free. Everybody basically acted for well, free. Except for, there. for we got an Airbnb together. Like we, I brought monitors down. Like I brought props down. You know, like yeah. It was all hands on deck and whatever we could do to bootstrap this thing to make it happen. And that's, and that's how it went. So when we say we're proud of it, like, I'm extremely proud that we pulled it off. Like that's the big, very few people can pull that off. You know, am I proud of the final product? Yeah. For what it is, like, I still think there's a lot of issues with it and would change a lot of things, but you know, we did as much as we could with what we had. And that's probably what I'm most proud of. Absolutely. I mean, um, that couldn't be better said. And, uh, you know, kudos to you guys for uh, navigating that and for uh, making it happen. I, I think that y- you're honestly shining a light on the fact that as a content creator, it's about continuing to put the content out there. And then when you have a bigger vision, um, like SAD, it's about just taking every step you can to bring it to life um, and uh, being relentless around you know how scrappy you might need to be to make it happen. Um, and you know I appreciate it. You shared some of the learning moments there. Um, anything imminent on the Corporate Bro platform that people need to know about or keep an eye out for um, in, in the short to intermediate future? Uh, I would say not at the moment. I mean, we have an idea. You asked earlier about like season two. We have an yeah. idea of what we want to do. Um, it's kind of hard right now with Hollywood entirely on strike. You can't even have conversations with people. So I don't know when that'll happen, if that'll happen. Like we have an outline of what we want. We're just not in the depths of writing because we don't know if we're going to have to go back to the eight to 10 minute format and do it ourselves again, or if we can get some support to do it at a, in a bigger, you know, possibly do like a, a true pilot that could then be pitched to an HBO or Netflix type situation where we would, would want write 30 minute true 30 minute 22 to 30 minute comedy. Um, we I, I personally just don't want us to get too deep on something that like will never happen. So we're still pretty far away from the thought of season two, though things are in place for us to move quickly if if it does uh pop up. But we have a whole storyline, we have a lot of other characters and things that we want to bring in, but we just couldn't. Love it. Couldn't do it. That kind of just depends on like the conversations that we're having and like some of the we've received some good feedback from people in Hollywood. You know, sometimes in Hollywood it feels like everyone loves your shit. Um and you know, it's really flattering. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's gonna lead anywhere. Yeah. Um yeah. and you know, depending on it's like uh, you know, Ross has said this before, like it's just takes one set of eyeballs to make that difference. Um, just the right set of eyeballs. Um, and yeah. with different people looking at it and giving feedback, you know, different people have different ideas for it. Some people are like, this would be, a, I, I think you can make a good pilot out of this. Like eight episode show, you can make a good pilot episode out of it. Um, or I think this could be 
that. And so I think it depends on like whoever we have those very serious conversations with. Um, it's going to depend a lot on what their vision for the future of the show is. Uh, but, you know, I think we're pretty determined on, on getting a season two. And I feel like the sales world needs it. So they do. We need it more than yeah. ever. Um, you know, I'll be the first to say it. Um, you guys have done an incredible job, you know, not only just building this platform, but keeping it alive, uh, keeping it going. Uh, to your point earlier, Ross, like people's attention spans are just like getting shorter and shorter by the day. And while yeah. you might think that, uh, you know, you release it and a week later, people forget about it, I could tell you, like, straight up as someone who works in the sales world, stuff I always go back to. I mean, like, it's the stuff that keeps me going. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm sure I'm not, and I'm not saying that to pump your tires and I'm not, because why would I not pump it, baby? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, I know firsthand, um, to close things out, I'm going to do something I haven't done on the show before. Uh, but I have a new initiative going on where, um, I'm running a million dollar campaign to raise money for cancer research. And what I'm doing with guests now is I'm asking them to name and each of you can name someone or you can work together and name someone, someone that I should bring on mile 40. And if I bring them on the show, I'll donate $100. And then for every guest we bring on afterwards using this cycle, we're going to double that donation. So 100, then 200, then 400, so on and so forth. So uh, I'll let you guys either talk it out or uh, if you guys want to go one at a time. Interesting. And would you want someone with like a sales background? Is that they what you're could, thinking? Or? They could be anyone who can come on and talk about moments of bottoming out, a mile 40 moment of sorts. Scott Lee's. He's already I know, been I was going to say, he's, oh, already, he's already been, been on. The, His bottom um, out was... <laughs> yeah, wild. Love. Hold up. <laughs> no, no. Um, Zoe Hartsfield? Worked? Thank you. Yes. Who is that? Yeah, Zoe, Zoe Hartsfield. Hartsfield. No, I have not. Zoe Hartsfield? That's yeah. the name. She, uh, I think she could. She would probably crush this podcast. Um, All right. She definitely has some bottoming... Botting, Bottom, 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 mean out <laughs> moments. Yeah, she's bottom like moments. Yeah, she was at um, she was at Speckett, and she's at Apollo now. She's somewhere she's in between. Apollo, that's right. Okay. All right. Uh, noted. Yeah, she's, she's yeah, duly. Yeah, she she's got a pretty big following on LinkedIn. She kind of crushes the uh, uh, emotional, uh, kind of depressing, but very personal LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, she so talks a lot definitely. about mental health stuff. Like mental health stuff yeah. is like very, and All she's right. very, very much in the sales marketing space. Okay, but All she's right. very aware enough to to realize that she um, also makes those <laughs> makes those really emotional posts. She'll she'll make fun of herself for them as well. So, but she, I think she'd be a great guest. Yeah. All right. I love it. Um, I just want to say thanks to both of you, honestly, for coming on the show, for, for giving us an episode that we've never had before, uh, for <laughs> for the laughs that Hopefully we've never had. Uh, Hopefully you don't no, cut anything. Nope, no, nothing nothing <laughs> is getting cut, but you better believe that if uh, if I get asked to leave Salesforce, Ross, you're the first person I'm going to be calling. <laughs> I'll just so, go, I'll go be a one-man picket line outside of Salesforce. Just yeah. holding my sign. So no, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing's getting cut. And yeah. um, I just want to say I appreciate you both. You guys both nailed it, and and thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you for appreciate having us. It. You got it.
Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.